show as well as fans of music in general and a podcast for singers songwriters musicians recording artists entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing i'm bruce Warzniak from now hear this incorporated which provides management publicity and related services the show website is nhte.net and has lots from all episodes plus links to social media and podcast listening platforms do be sure that you have also signed up there for the weekly e-newsletter. There have been some exclusives in the newsletter that either haven't been made public anywhere else or were at least first seen in the newsletter, so be sure you're signed up for that. The folks who get that have even gotten access to discounts lower than anyone else. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment Guest Line from Toronto, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar and piano player, and producer who just received his first gold record, which we will talk about today. He has had many notable collaborations in addition to his own catalog of music. He has also composed music for film projects, and at one point in his career was even the frontman for a rock band. He's currently recording new music, which will be released during 2021, and is also opening a new recording studio this year. We've been hearing a song of his called She Made Me Do It. He records and performs under the name Songsbury. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Matt Teofalo. Hey, Bruce, and everyone listening. Matt, thanks for doing this. Appreciate you taking time today. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off first by having you talk about the song of yours that was just playing called She Made Me Do It. <laughs> that song, um, I got to say that that one's one of the, I wrote that a little bit differently than um, than some of the other songs I've written. I guess with some of the writing, it's like, you know, you're writing based on certain experiences and stuff. Um, I mean, for those <laughs> those that listen to the whole song, She Made Me Do It is basically about this woman that you know kind of lures me in um even though i have a relationship she kind of lures me into to kind of basically like cheat um <laughs> i can say i've never cheated in my life um but the but the um the idea kind of came about um i saw it more in my mind like as a bit of like a film like film kind of like project if that makes sense like mm. i saw almost like the music video first um and so i just kind of wanted to experiment with some a little bit of like maybe darker and twisted ideas as well. And um, I mean, it ends up playing out. I do have something that I released on YouTube called uh, like Songsbury Presents the Trilogy. And it's three of my songs off of the EP. And she made me do it as one of those songs. So you kind of get a sense of, OK, yeah, this is this is a definitely a different twist on on what, you know, the lyrics kind of state. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just a fun song to kind of write. And um, I don't know. Uh, it's yeah it, I don't know what else to say about it but just definitely a different experience altogether than some of the other songs I've written well but I'm trying to understand what was different when you say that the writing for this particular song was different was it the fact that it was a darker song was it the fact that no as I explained Bruce I saw a video for it first in my head before I wrote like what what made writing she made me do it different from the others prior definitely like the 
kind of like the video aspect, but also I was just more in an experimentative mood. And um, this might sound really dark and twisted, but <laughs> um, some of the ideas I had gotten from like, we're just, I, I tend to watch a lot of like murder mystery, like kind of, you know, shows and, and documentaries. And like one of my favorite shows is like forensic files and that sort of stuff. Uh. <laughs> it's a little weird, but, um, or it may seem weird, but it's, um, so I was kind of like playing on this, like almost like a fatal attraction type of idea where this, like this woman can just lure you in just with like her look and you would basically do anything for her. Okay. And so if you listen really closely to the lyrics, she's, you know, she subtly says like, you need to get rid of this girl. Now, what does that mean? Um, I left that kind of open to interpretation. Mm. Um, but you know, in my mind, I'm seeing this play out like kind of like this, like basically like a murder mystery in my head that, you know, this woman can have so much power over this man and, um, all just with this like allure and, and just kind of draw him in. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, she's creating something inside of him that, you know, if he can do that to supposedly someone that he loves, um, what's to make him not turn even on her, uh, at the end and, you know, maybe do it again. So I, I kind of went into, <laughs> into bigger like story land. Um, so okay. that, that was definitely okay. a different thing. Like I didn't, I obviously don't have those experiences, but just a way to kind of play with music in a different way. And, and, and like you mentioned, I do compose for film. So it, it's nice to kind of experiment with things, um, that aren't necessarily just always about you know, reality, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, great job describing all of that. And really, as you were saying everything that you just told us, I thought to myself, well, it's really not that crazy because if you think of the reverse, which is scoring for films, you're going to be looking at these films as an audience member and you're going to be hearing sound effects you're going to be hearing a soundtrack you're going to be hearing and so somebody is composing something at some point where they're saying okay look at this scene that's happening so you just kind of took the reverse and said you know i have this scene in my head that's completely fictitious but i'm going to make a song to go with what i'm seeing visually so Mm -hmm. that's that's very unique and and you know i know we've got a bunch of stuff to get to today like film scoring which we'll get into but but before i get too carried away with all this let's just put the brakes on here i want to do some background setting first because you have for all intents and purposes been in music your whole life starting from age four and then even starting into singing and songwriting at age 12 if you want to just kind of set the stage for the audience in terms of, like I said, that background of yours that has essentially existed as long as you've walked the earth. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy how long it's been, but I, it was, um, so my parents, um, my dad used to play a little bit of guitar. Um, but you know, he now tells everybody that he plays the shovel <laughs> since he's in construction. <laughs> and, um, uh, my mom did a little bit of like piano lessons and stuff, but you know, just her parents didn't have the money to, to keep it up and, and all that sort of stuff as well. So, um, they both kind of came from musical backgrounds and they both love music. So they, um, I have a brother as well, a younger brother. So they put both of us basically into music at an early age. Ah, as well as sports and everything too, played soccer, tennis, like all those things. So basically all the things that they didn't really get to do when they grew up, wow. they, they kind of gave that to, to my brother and I. Mm. Um, so 
Yeah, my parents my parents were a little eager, I guess, because normally, like I've taught piano as well, and, and normally most piano teachers don't take uh, students until at least like around six years old, just also because their hands are so small too, um, and just the physical like requirements of mm-hmm. playing piano. But mm-hmm. my parents, it was just before my fourth birthday, and they brought me to like a, like a school. And they said, look, like, you know, can you just try him out if he could sit there and listen? Because that's usually the biggest hurdle um, <laughs> at that age. You know, if he sits there and he's disciplined enough, like, you know, you know, let, let's keep him in it. And um, so the teacher was kind of kind of hesitant. But, um, yeah, it all worked out. And then basically wow. from there, um, I just I, I you go through the stages of loving music and also hating the practicing. Mm. <laughs> and um, up here in Canada, there's there's something called the Royal Conservatory of Music and what it is is basically like it's not part of any like institutional like school system it, they they basically have created their own institution where they have their own set of um like tests and exams and so if you go through it there's basically 10 10 grades um and each grade has its own practical like playing exam and then there's also theory requirements as you get into the later grades wow. so you have wow. to learn like um you know just like you know basic theory and then it goes all the way up to like the history of all the different eras of music um there's like harmony counterpoint studies so basically like you're kind of doing a university level class but a lot of these a lot of the, the students are basically you know finishing that like all those grade 10 like the grade 10 level Mm. um by usually their teenage like teenage years so i was done all the grade 10 like i finished my grade 10 and then there's something called arct where they give like a diploma um and that final exam is a little more challenging it's basically like a 45 minute to an hour long concert you have to memorize all that music and you play for um two or three adjudicators basically and um and then you also have to have your theory requirements done as well Mm. in order to to graduate so i basically did yeah all that i was classically like raised and trained uh listened to a lot of classical music parents put that on before bed all the time um and uh amazing and so that was my that was my upbringing there but at some point yeah at some point getting to like the singing stuff i was just like i was my parents were (laughs) were a little hard i guess compared to some some parents um (laughs) you know in the summers i was uh i was practicing up to like six hours a day wow and uh on top of you know playing you know rep soccer which was like a high level soccer and uh all the other sports and swimming lessons and everything so i had no time to get into trouble but (laughs) but it worked out but i yeah i just i i wanted to start creating my own things i was getting bored sitting there playing just the same songs over and over and Uh, over again preparing for an exam so i started messing around with scales i'm like how can i play these differently and then i started writing my own songs and then i'm like i want to express that differently so I'd love to be able to, to sing as well. Um, wow. so I just kind of started singing and I wrote my first song for my grade eight graduation. I <laughs> happened to be, I got voted as valedictorian. And so I had to do a speech and part of my speech was, was singing a song to my, to my peers. Very cool. Very so, cool. So while we're yeah. still kind of laying the foundation here, where did the name Songsbury come from and, and when, and why did you start using that as the name that you would record and perform under? So, Songsbury kind of came about, I, I've gone through a few different, I guess, uh, stage name changes, or I guess some people might call them identity crises, <laughs> but um, it's, uh, some of it started like one of them I went by, I, I used to go by Matt Westwood, um, 
and I changed my, my name is normally spelled with one T and as you pronounce my name correctly, not a lot of people do. Um, sometimes it's Tifilo, Teofilo, <laughs> everything other than Teofilo. Um, so I just found people were spelling my name wrong. It was hard for people to even like search me online to find my music. So I said, okay, you know what, let me change my name a little bit. And then, so I went through a couple different renditions of names, but then I was thinking one day, I, I just, I came to this place where I had a bunch of people in the industry saying, oh, you need to find like your kind of niche because you're kind of all over the place. And I, and I never agreed with that, um, that statement because of my upbringing. I just, I've always listened to so many different styles of music and life has led me to work with so many different genres of music and and in different capacities, whether it's Mm. film or just, you know, just regular pop music or even just sound editing and stuff since I do producing and mixing and mastering and stuff. So I said, you know what? Like, I feel like I'm in a place and inside my head there's this place and I'm like what could I call that um, so that's kind of where Songsbury came about uh. was Songsbury is this place inside my head but but I wanted to kind of like manifest that into the like into real life as well and I looked at like all the things that I'm doing I'm like I'm working with so many different artists I'm featured on some of their records they're featured on mine um, I'm working you know in a rock band and I love all these kind of things so it's like I'm kind of bringing people into the Songsbury space as well as fans that may be, you know, listening to my music or be at a live show. Um, so that was kind of the idea that, you know, this, the music that I'm, I'm creating and working on, not only by myself, but with others, other people can be a part of that. And everybody kind of plays their part in order to build what Songsbury is. Okay. So, okay. And when and was that? that makes sense. When did, when did you employ that? That was uh, going back, I want to say around 2012, 2013. Oh, okay. So it's been a bit. Yeah. So then where on the timeline was the entry for when you were the front man for the rock band Unbound? And and how long did that go for? Because I know you guys toured a bit and got some airplay for one of your singles. Mm -hmm. That was for... I was in rock bands pretty much from high school, so that now I'm dating myself. But I graduated (laughs) high school in about 2004. So I was... I used to listen to only like dance music, like Euro music. Um, my nickname in school was Gino because I was one of the only Italian kids <laughs> <laughs> or Italian background. So they would call me Gino. Kids would call the house. It's like, is Gino there? And like, ironically, <laughs> my, my father's name is Dino. So my mom's like, you mean Dino? They're like, no, no, Gino. <laughs> She's like, there's no Gino. Here. So, um, so that's a little bit of that. Then all of a sudden I just... I started, I had a few friends that were really into rock and, and they're like, Matt, like you should join our band. You're an awesome keyboardist or whatever. And you can play this stuff. So I went from listening to Euro music to playing dream theater, like wow. hardcore progressive rock wow. and, um, kind of fell in love with that genre. So I was kind of in bands, um, you know, throughout high school as well, but kind of focusing on solo stuff as well. Um, but with unbound, that was, that was probably the most real band I guess I could say that where we actually like got like made some headway with with it and actually recorded like our EP and everything so that was um, that band ended up disbanding around 2012 so around the same time that's kind of where I I kind of hit that um, (laughs) that identity crisis stage again of like okay who am I am I going back to being a solo artist or am I going to try to find new bandmates Um, 
you know, what am I going to do? Where, where does my heart really lie? Gotcha. Uh, everything. So, yeah. so I mentioned that you're calling me from Toronto, which by the way is incredibly coincidental given that last week's guest singer songwriter Mauve also called in from there, yeah. but I know you're originally from Toronto, but at one point you moved out to California. So what's the timeline of all that? Like when and why did you move out West? Where in California were you and, and when and why did you come back to Toronto? Um, I mean, the why I came back to the cold is is a whole. Other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still questioning that. As a, I mean, for for those who I don't know the Fahrenheit like conversion, but like it's it's been like minus 20 degrees Celsius, which is really cold mm. um, up here. But it's um, I moved I moved out to California. I believe it was 2015. Okay, um, the summer of 2015. I had. Um, I mean, I I grew up in just outside Toronto, in a suburb outside Toronto, and it was I guess I was 29 years old, and I I know a lot of people here, but I just wanted to kind of expand, and um, I had gone down to Nashville, and and I had gone out to LA as well, and, and I just I don't know, there was something that that told me I need to just kind of like break out and expand out, um, and. In California, I mean, part of it was the weather. Part of it was just the opportunity of just going there. I I, I had made a few contacts throughout the years, um, in California primarily in in like film scoring stuff. Um, so I I said, you know what? Let me just basically get up and and take a chance on it and and kind of leave, um, which was. Um, which was definitely an experience. I, I didn't go to any post-secondary school, so I had never lived away from home. I, I tell everyone mm. I was living the Italian dream, you know, living <laughs> with my parents <laughs> for so long. <laughs> Mom does all the cooking and cleaning and everything else, and I was definitely spoiled. So I, I'm, there was a lot of FaceTime calls of like, Mom, how do I make this? <laughs> Am I doing this right? Does this look like it's healthy enough to eat? <laughs> um, but it was uh, – it just – yeah, I, fe I felt called to, to California. And so I ended up spending about four years out there. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah. And in that time, that's when I, I did a lot of writing for myself and recording, um, including that EP. And um, and then also, like I said, like some of the film scoring stuff and just kind of building up more contacts there and just um, more experiences in general. But um, moving back to Toronto, I still had... I, because my whole family was here, I found myself coming back a lot, like, especially like, uh, during holidays. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, I, I was ending up spending like four to five months sometimes here, oh, gosh. uh, in Toronto. So I'm like, I'm paying rent out in LA and yet like, you know, it's just, I'm coming back here. And then also I had a lot of, I, st I have a lot of clients here because I grew up here. So a lot of people needed me here in the studio okay. um, to either produce their vocals or, or produce their songs and, and record and, and track and stuff. Okay. Whereas some of the work I was doing in California, I could do remotely. So it just kind of made more sense to, to come back here, at least for the time being. So um, when, when was that that you moved back to Toronto? Was, uh, I guess at this point, it's been two years already. Okay. okay. It's, uh, yeah, I think January of... 2019 end of January oh okay well speaking of going back and forth between Canada and the US which I realize of course isn't happening these days because of the pandemic but before all of that how does all that work in terms of say I'm, I'm thinking of visa I think I might have asked this 
to another Canadian singer, songwriter, piano player, Maggie Zabo. This is back on episode 335. For all I know, maybe she and I talked about this off the air after I stopped the recording, but I don't know that we really got very detailed on it. So explain all that, Matt, if you don't mind, as someone who does live full-time in Canada, but, you know, as you mentioned, came over to the United States to quote-unquote work for four years. Mm-hmm. So I'm on what's called an O-1 uh and like the classification is an O-1B visa. Um, the O visa in general is a, um, it's a bit of a, it's considered like a self-petitioned visa, meaning like I don't have any particular employer so I can work for myself. But that being said, in order to get it, um, you have to, you have to show, so the maximum that you can get it for is three years. And you're better off trying to get it if, if for any of your listeners that, that are maybe thinking about getting the visa, always try to get for the max because the price is the same whether you get it for a month or you get it for three years. Oh. Um, so you still have to do all the work. And the O visa, it's a little bit harder to get because it's in kind of like an open visa. The O doesn't stand for open. It stands for outstanding. So you have to show that and prove that you're outstanding in your ability. So... Um, so what I had to do was I basically had to compile all my previous like work. So any, any, let's say newspaper, uh, you know, magazines, um, television, uh, wow. you know, radio, anything, any flyer, show flyers, any, um, wow. recordings that I've worked on or that I've performed on anything that can basically like make my case that I'm considered outstanding enough to, to be able to, to get that visa. Hmm. Um, so it's, I think the first time around, it was roughly about 180 pages worth of documents that oh was submitted. Gosh. So it took me, it took me about a year to compile everything. And thank God I've been pretty organized throughout my life. Like I have a whole <laughs> box of all my memories and all like those types of things and all my awards and accolades. And then, and then on top of that, you do require to show that you have work up to the three years. So, um, you know, I had one one employer that basically employed me to work on a few film projects, which turned out. And then there's, um, there's some other projects that are working on another film project. And another thing that I do is I, I actually adjudicate or like judge a music festival for, for American guild of music. Um, so they're an American non, not for profit foundation that, that puts on these music competitions, um, like nationally, uh, like multiple times a year. So because I judge for that, that's also, that also helps me in terms of meeting one of their prerequisites, like for my abilities. Hmm. So, yeah, that's fascinating. That's quite a bit to go through. I'm joined today on the now hear this entertainment guest line from Toronto by singer, songwriter, guitar and piano player and producer, Matt Teofilo who records and performs under the name Songsbury. Visit his official website at songsbury.com. I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And yes, he is very much on social media. At the bottom of his website, you'll find links to connect with him on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. There are also links there to get his music from the likes of Apple Music and Spotify. You can even find him on SoundCloud, which is one of the many platforms where you can hear this show. As I mentioned in the intro, there is a good catalog of music from Songsbury out there, so do support him by purchasing downloads of his music. 
A reminder to make sure that you're signed up for the weekly e-newsletter that I send out every Wednesday. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, to be sure that you're signed up for that. All that's required is your email address, and I will only send to you once a week. Now, Matt, I mentioned this back in the intro. Congratulations on your first gold record that you just received, which was for being one of the writers on the song Revolution by Diplo. Talk about that whole experience, including how you got that writing opportunity in the first place. Yeah, there's, um, thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, hopefully the first of many, but it was, um, so this song, this song was actually written around, I want to say, I think it was released 2013. So it's been a while. Um, and it was, um, a good friend of mine and colleague, um, who he's done work for, for a whole bunch of different artists, including Madonna and, um, and Jay-Z and Jason Derulo and and a whole bunch of (laughs) other, other large like names. And so him and I, uh, had met an artist named Kai and we, um, we basically just said, Hey, look, you want to get together and let's just, you know, let's write something. So we, um, we basically, you know, wrote, wrote the basis of a song, um, with, with Kai. And then somewhere down the line, it, um, it was like through her label, there was, um, I guess the opportunity to, to, um, pass it along to Diplo who basically took that song and, kind of made made it part of his own and and his style and genre Mm. Uh, because we wrote it just on you know piano and piano voice it was more like a ballad than it was um you know an edm track Mm -hmm. but um but yeah and so diplo was on it and there was uh uh, two other djs as well uh faustix and and imanos and um so yeah between the six of us we uh we created this this track that ended up um I believe it hit like number two on, on iTunes charts at the time when it was first released. Um, and since that time it was, it was in a few different video games, I believe NBA like 2k, maybe 14 or 15. Uh, I forget the the actual year. Um, (laughs) I believe it was in a few different Hyundai commercials as well throughout the years. And, uh, I, I want to say it was Bernie Sanders campaign song for not this past election, but the election before. Oh my gosh. Um, so it was, um, it's been kind of a cool experience. And then it, it reached gold status, I believe in 2018. Um, and so it's just taken me a little bit of time to actually <laughs> obtain the actual, the actual record. Cause there's just a lot of process that has to go through and gotcha. labels have to ha- have to you know give the permission to get that certification from RIAA and um so yeah that that's kind of been the journey so it's been yeah I guess I want to say seven seven almost mm. eight years since since wow. the inception of that song wow to get to this point so you're in the process of recording some new Songsbury music that will be released in this new year that we're now a couple months into what does all that look like meaning is it all already written will these be singles you'll be releasing or an ep or in an album and and then when might we start to see the first of this new work start to trickle out um i want to say i guess like i'm leaning more towards singles just also just with this whole pandemic it's it's kind of hard to gauge when I can get back on stage and actually kind of play a lot of these songs. So I'm leaning towards just kind of releasing, releasing a few singles. And over here, as of right now, like we're pretty much on like a lockdown. So even just trying to 
record a music video or or do any sort of collaborative work has been difficult. Um, but um, the first the first single that that I plan on uh, releasing soon is a song called Forgiven, and um, I had just wrote this I guess in the past maybe five six months. Um, and I just I was able to to record it and and do all the production and everything on it. So that I'm aiming for probably around like mid March. Okay. Um, I don't have a specific date yet, but I'm thinking my birthday's on the 19th, so I may I may release it on <laughs> around there. <laughs> but you're recording, so I'm I'm guessing, and and I'm putting that in the form of a question, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But if you're already recording, I'm guessing that everything you're going to release is already written, or or not necessarily. Um, a lot of the music is written and some of it is already, um, like partially produced. Sometimes I get stuck on ideas. There are songs, um, that sometimes I just, I just have an idea as a voice note on the phone, uh, like on my phone. And then all of a sudden I feel inspired to just kind of finish it and things just come really quickly. The recording like happens really quickly. Other stuff I'm just like unsure about, you know, how to kind of tackle it, uh, especially sometimes when it comes to production, just because I have so many ideas all at once, <laughs> as well as I'm working on other people's projects too, since I'm doing a lot of production work in editing and mixing and mastering and, and tracking for them when, when we're not in lockdown. So, um, so yeah, but most of the songs that I, I plan on releasing this year uh, have already been written. Okay. So. Okay. Well, you started to set me up nicely. There's a nice segue. You're also working on a lot of other artist projects as well as some film projects. To the extent that you're comfortable naming names and or citing movie titles, what is some of this other work that you're doing? Meaning, who are you working with and what is your role in these works? So there's a couple a couple of artists that I've been working with over the past um probably six months to a year um, and working on more like original material with them. Um, one of them, her name is Elisa Malatesta and she's been, um, she kind of comes from a more opera background and classical background. Um, but she's slowly kind of transitioned to a more, uh, for lack of better words, like pop or maybe adult contemporary kind of genre. So mm. we've been working on a few uh, original songs for her, uh, one of which she just um, she just released uh, called Crying to the Moon. And we also did like an, a, an acoustic remix for that. So I've been, I just worked on that and released that, but we have a few more projects uh, lined up. And another artist that I'm working with as well is um, Karen DeCruz. And she's, uh, she's a country country artist uh originally from iowa but living in in toronto right now and um yeah so just like total opposites <laughs> between lisa <laughs> and karen but just both very fun projects and um yeah karen karen and i have been been writing a few a uh, few songs together and so she's working towards uh, an album as well and so she, yeah, i think we've we've had about probably 12 to 13 original songs. Wow. So it's just, we're just kind of in the, in the, uh, we're trying to get all the musicians and, and any session players and, and studio stuff in the works, um, and just timelines. But some stuff has taken a bit of a backseat just because of the situation. But those are, those are, those are two of the bigger projects that I'm working on right now that are, that are taking a good amount of time. Um, and film, Film stuff, I 
I have one film that I worked on. It's a documentary um, that I worked on. I guess it's been while I was in LA. So it's been probably four years maybe mm. or so since, since it was originally, we went to f- a few different film festivals and, um, and that is going to be available for streaming. I believe March 16th. I'm not too sure which oh, platforms, okay. but um, for your listeners that are interested and um, they can follow me and, and I'll definitely post some stuff on that. I'm just waiting from the director and the producer of the show to, to, to give me the, all the specific details okay. of that. But it's a documentary called escape from room 18. And it's, um, it's a really interesting documentary about a Jewish guy that grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood in Ocala, Florida and um just up the road from me oh yeah i'm in tampa That's and crazy. so you know yeah, you, yeah. when you're when you're as close as tampa is to ocala i'm holding up a qu- quotation marks you, know, you might as well say just up from the road from me <laughs> all right it's a, a true story That's, obviously i mean you're saying it's a documentary so it must be it's a true story um about a man named john daly and he uh it's interesting because I guess like we're hearing a lot about, you know, like through through different movements like Black Lives Matter movements and, and you know, kind of whites on blacks and that whole the whole history of that. But in this in this situation, because it was a predominantly black neighborhood, there was the blacks were actually beating up kind of on the whites hmm. um, for whatever reason. And so, you know, John and his brothers, they would kind of get jumped like uh, like on the daily. Not no pun intended that that's his last <laughs> name. But he um, so he basically one thing leads to another and some of like you know his friends that had older brothers they had basically formed like little youth like neo-nazi um you know factions and so next thing john knows is that he's the head of what's called aryan youth force as a jew but he kind of hid that from everybody Hmm. so they end up finding out and they try to drown him in uh, Daytona beach wow. and they leave him out to die and they beat him up. And, um, he basically ends up putting a bunch of them in prison cause he survives. And they made a threat that when the last guy gets out, we're going to come after you and finish the job. Mm. And so he ends up fleeing to Israel and the story kind of picks up at like 20 years later, he gets a call from one of his wow. old, uh, wow. old neo-Nazi buddies. And the guy wants to go to a, meet him at a concentration camp in Prague. Mm. So, um, and I'll leave it, leave yeah, it at that. But yeah. it's, it's a really fascinating story and just about transformation and, and all these different kind of things. Um, it's, yeah, it was, it was a very dark project to work on, but it was, um, it, it was really remarkable as well as just, you know, you ask yourself, how does someone get into that position in the first place? No doubt. But it's, uh, well, you got yeah. my interest up, that's for sure. I'll, I'll be watching your social media posts so so that I know when it comes out so I can watch it. That, that sounds really fascinating. Uh, you were talking about um, some of the other artists. I'd love it if you could share with the audience about some of the notable collaborations that you've done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, well, I guess the Diplo was one of them. Um, one of the other larger collaborations was um, I worked on the arrangement for a lot of people know based off because I think it was trending at some point on Twitter and it was going around. But when uh, Miley Cyrus did an unplug show with MTV and um, she had Madonna as a guest. And uh, I guess mo- the most memorable moment tended to be that um, 
Madonna and Miley started grinding on each other. But <laughs> um, so that was that was that experience. But basically, the the, the two songs that that um, that they sing, um, I was I was involved in in that mash, creating that mashup and the arrangement um, okay. for that. So that was that was a really cool project, and um, I worked mostly with Madonna and her kind of team on that, as well as as with my my friend and colleague. Um, on that as well. So it, that was a that was a fun project, and it came together. I think probably around three four a.m. in the morning at one wow. <laughs> one night. That we were wow. working on it. We started maybe at eight nine o'clock at night and just kind of banged it out in in uh, six seven hours. So <laughs> yeah, very it's cool. Fun experience. Well, now after I've just had you share about all that, plus what we were talking about before that in this second half of the show. There's a quote from you that I'm interested to hear you expand on. You actually say, quote, judge me on my work, not who I've worked with, end quote. Yeah. Uh, So I guess I'm trying to frame this without sounding uh, jaded or anything. Um, A lot of times, uh, like through my career, I've had experiences where you know, people are so fast, especially when it's like comes down to artists that, that maybe want to work with me or, or trying to, you know, work on collaborations. Sometimes the, the first question is, oh, so what have you worked on? Or, you know, who have you worked with? And it's this, this whole like, oh, well, they're kind of, you know, judging you before they actually know what you can do. Mm. Um, so that's kind of one of those things like, like for me, I mean, I haven't been the best at celebrating some of like my, my, my successes or my achievements because in my mind, it's like, I'm just already moving forward. Mm -hmm. So I, but I do understand how some people want to celebrate that. And it's, it's good. (laughs) Like, it's a good thing to do. So I'm working on, on doing that more. And this gold record was one of those things where I actually took time to actually celebrate that, that, that achievement. Um, but that being said, yeah, it's like, it's, there's this judgment of like, you know, well, oh, well, you know, who have you worked on? Or even film projects I've had directors are like, you know, well, oh, what have you worked on before? Or can you send me like this reel or whatever? And mm-hmm. and I'm the type of person where it's like, how about you send me a clip of your film um, and I'll score, you know, a couple minutes of your film. So that way I can show you yeah. how I can work with you, yeah. you know, to create the vision that you want. Otherwise, you're just basing your vision on someone else's vision, right? Or like through me, <laughs> like, like oh, well, like this that. is... So so that's why it's like, you know, the past we can't really change. I've worked on what I've worked on, but just because I've worked with, let's say, Diplo or on Madonna's stuff or, or any of the other artists that, that I've worked on doesn't mean that, you know, these present projects or future projects are going to turn out the same. Um, you know, just because I have one gold record doesn't mean that you know, I'm necessarily going to get another 10. It's, it's all projects based and it. And it's based on the relationships that you want to have. So for me, I just kind of like to lay it out there that this is, you know, whatever I've done, great, I've done, but what can I do for you and with you? And how can we make something great? Because what's done is done. Yeah, I really like that a lot. And if you go back to what you were just saying a few minutes ago, you've got an artist that you're working with who is coming from a classical background. You've got another artist who I think you said is a country artist. So Mm -hmm. if someone else comes to you and they're maybe in the rock genre, you're going to say, well, 
what good is it going to do you for me to let you listen to something that I did with this artist whose background is in classical and opera music or this artist whose background is in country like i love the way you said it like why don't we just talk about what you want me to do for you Mm -hmm. and kind of give you a little bit of a sample instead of saying you know because you could drill down and get really specific in that quote judge me on my work not who i've worked with and say well yeah i've worked with diplo but i want you to hear like the work that i did for diplo i worked with miley cyrus and madonna but i want you to hear what specifically i did for them not their names and not like you said the gold record that was attached to one person or the whatever metrics that you're going to use to gauge the success of someone else's so i i I love that whole thing you know hats off to you because obviously that's not something that people are used to hearing because like you said they all want to say well you know send me a reel or send me, you know, your, your portfolio or whatever. And there's not a lot of people out there that are given the answer that you are. So for what it's worth coming from me, stick with it because I, I, I think that's a great attitude to have. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. So if everything that we talked about today isn't enough, you're also <laughs> opening up a new recording studio this year. I'm assuming that means it'll be a commercial studio. Yep. And, 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 for that matter, like where specifically is this and, and what stage is it at right now? Like like what's been done? What still needs to be done? When is it going to be ready to open? Um, so it's going to be located just north of Toronto. I'm just north uh, in, in a city called Vaughan, um, maybe 20 minutes north of Toronto. So um, it will be in Vaughan and um, it will be like basically a commercial recording facility. Um, and then... It will also, um, the idea with it is that it will be kind of like a one-stop shop for artists because a lot of artists come to me and it's like, Matt, like, you know, what do I need? Um, you know, and I'm telling them like, well, look, like we need cover art, let's say. So that might include photos. You need some sort of photos for, for press or anything else. You might need a little bit of a music video or, you know, even if it's something basic or, or like a live in the studio video. So, um, so I wanted to create this, this place where basically it's a one-stop shop for, for artists and they can get everything that they need in there. So there will be a bit of like a photo video studio wow. and, um, and I'm also planning on putting, cause I've had some requests to do more like editing and, and, and stuff with podcasts as well. So I'm, mm. um, I'm planning on putting a, a podcast studio up there, uh, like on, I have a bit of a second floor. So, um, so put a, put a podcast studio in the, on the upstairs as well for, for people to be able to, to, to do what they need to do as well. And it, the, the main goal is, like I said, it, it's going to be called Songsbury Studios. And I stuck with that, not because I need to have my name on a studio uh, banner, but because, like I said, Songsbury is a place. So I want to create a place where artists and creatives of all kinds um, in all the various forms of art can kind of like gather together and um, and do some just wonderful work that, that you know, everybody everybody can enjoy. So that's, that's the main goal of that. And, um, when it will be done, the, some stuff has, it's been delayed just because of COVID and, and I ran into an issue with, with one of my architects or whatever that I had to let go halfway through the project. Oh boy. So, um, yeah, but it, it all works out for the best. It's all good. So that, um, that being said, it will be, it's going to be about a four month build and I'm just in the final steps of getting my permit, uh, in order to build. So I'm hoping that it's done, um, probably by June, July. That, yeah, I was going to say summertime. sounds like. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, which will hopefully be better anyways, too, because then I can actually have a proper grand opening where people can actually show up and we're not <laughs> stuck yeah, to yeah. whatever five of your family members. And that's about <laughs> it. So, yeah. Well, congratulations in advance. I, I love the idea and it's it's very unique, the, the whole idea of everything being under one roof and, and you recognizing, of course, it helps that you are an artist, but, you know, to recognize that, well, what do you need? You're going to need photos. You're going to need a music video. You're going to need and, and to be able to offer all that instead of saying, you know, let me refer you to this guy down the street or let me refer you to this agency across town that can help you with all this. And then, oh, and then this stuff over here, go home and do yourself. That's really unique. So congratulations on that vision. And listeners, as you know, I always say it's just all the more incentive to follow the guest online so that you can see where and when these things start to happen in, in the case of the new music from Songsbury and then in the case of the studio that will hopefully open this summer. So we're going to close today with another original Songsbury track, one called Till the Day I Die. But before I let you go, Matt, tell the audience all about this song, if you would, please. So this song um, was the single off the EP and... Um, Unlike She Made Me Do It, this one, not to quote my own lyrics, <laughs> but um, one of the lyrics is saying that I'm a hopeless romantic and and deep down I am that that person um, that believes in the ideals of, of love and, and all those types of things. I don't know, maybe it's just the Pisces in me or whatever, but it's um, so the song is basically basically a promise um, that, you know, I want to, you know, love that that one person to basically till the day i die it's it's almost like a wedding wedding vow in some ways mm. um so yeah i'm not married <laughs> but but i've uh in my heart like that's that's the way that i feel and that's the way i envision me you know me saying uh, like speaking my heart um to someone that i love so um that's yeah that that's basically the gist of that song it's interesting that you put in that editorial comment because literally that was the thought that popped into my head as you described it as i thought do i know is he married i wonder and all of a sudden you say i'm not married by the way but (laughs) 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 well it's been great having you on the show i really appreciate it great to meet you and best of luck this year with all the different projects that you have going on and thank you for coming on now here this entertainment Likewise, and thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, and congratulations to you as well. Seven years, what an accomplishment. So um, so I'm celebrating here in Toronto for you as well, <laughs> with you. Thank you, thank you. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar and piano player, and producer Matt Teofilo, who records and performs under the name Songsbury. Do visit his official website at songsbury.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. At the bottom of his website, you will see links for all of his social media. So do be sure to like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram. I did all three of those myself this morning. We didn't get to talk about the videos that he has done, but do check out his official YouTube channel. You heard him make a very brief reference to a trilogy that's on there, so go look for that. Subscribe to his YouTube channel and then watch and like the videos that he has on there. For that matter, tell him you heard him in his music and now hear this entertainment. Remember that his music is available across a number of platforms. The best way to support him is to purchase downloads through the likes of Apple Music. You can find and follow... Songsbury on Spotify. Plus, as I mentioned before, he's even on SoundCloud. But do buy legal downloads of his music 
and then watch for the new music coming out this year that you heard him talking about. Be reminded about making sure that you're signed up for the weekly e-newsletter that I send out every Wednesday. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, to be sure that you're signed up for that. All that's required is your email address, and I will only send to you once a week. For now, that will do it for episode 368. We'll send you out today with another song from Songsbury. This is the one he just talked about, called Till the Day I Die. Call me hopeless romantic, loving you is automatic for me. In my life, in my deals, try to make my dreams real with you. I may look through the lens of an attachment when I'm with you. But I've taken the leap that I needed to keep from ever losing you. And I don't want nobody else but you. And I don't see My love for you, my 